Welcome back to Pulp Friction. It's a show about what divides us. My name is Rocky, Miles' name is Miles, and this week we are talking styles. Harry. Also just like fashion styles, I guess. Yeah, styles, fashion styles, and I have a particular interest in the queer baiting discourse and the idea mm-hmm. that there's such a thing as queer fashion. Um, mm. And so, yeah, that's where I'm coming from it. I've been... Um, sort of watching his career since I was in seventh grade and I'm almost 24. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been on, hit my eye on the styles, as they say. Yeah, I'd like to start by uh, asking you about your, your history with Harry for a bit. But um, I definitely want to sort of touch on like how Harry got to be what he is today. And sort of like the it, as I was doing my research, I found that the, like the progression into this the the sort of gender bendy David Bowie kind of figure was slow. Um, but I also feel like in terms of his public perception, there was like a moment where everyone was rooting for him. It's interesting to see how that kind of soured. Um, but yeah, just to kick us off, what is your sort of story with with Harry Styles? That is a great question. Um... Well, I'll just reintroduce myself. My name is Miles. I use they or he pronouns. And I have been in the One Direction Harry Styles circuit since 2011-ish. So I was in seventh grade. And at the time, I was loosely aware of the fact that I was probably bisexual, but my gender stuff had not happened yet. Um... And so I got involved as like, you know, a quote unquote directioner when I was a young girl. And I feel like, um, you know, I stuck around a lot longer than most of the friends that I had. Um, by the time that I was in high school, you know, I had Tumblr. So I was in not only the One Direction fandom on Tumblr, but a bunch of other, you know, Tumblr fandom spaces um, that in their own way were dealing with um, queer baiting and sort of part of the whole, um, I don't know, shipping world and fan fiction and fan art. Um, and so I, I was a part of that all through high school. Um, I was there and present for the release of all of the One Direction albums. The first one had already been released by the time that I um, got involved, but I've been there through the ups and downs of it, seen also kind of the rise and fall of lots of different shipping within the fandom. Um, I think Harry's sexuality has kind of been a question mark for a while. And um, I feel like once he went solo, I was invested for a little while. Um, but since 2018, have sort of like stepped back and been an observer um, listen to the album when they come out, but I'm less involved in sort of like the fan side of things um, than I mm. used to be. But I came out as trans when I was 14, and Harry was just starting to sort of grow his hair out. His fashion choices were kind of leaning more towards like, I don't know, bold prints. He got like the sparkly boots. It was a different kind of masculinity that I was used to seeing. Um, 
in male celebrities and even in him. Um, so that's maybe bringing you up to date where I'm at now. Um, but it's mm. been a long run. So <laughs> I'm very interested in his sort of like, I don't know where he's at now. And people seem to have a lot of things to say about him. Yeah, I, I think um, for me, it was like, I started to like One Direction pretty late into their career. Um, it was around the like, best song ever story of my life kind of era where I was like, these guys are good. Um, and then it wasn't too long after that that Zayn left and things started to sort of wind down. Um, I remember when when Harry put out his first solo single and also when like the build up to that was happening. And um, I remember I had a friend who was like, uh, you know, big music person kind of like a, a taste for like underground music but also sort of like the you know this optimist type that we saw a lot of in the in the late tens and and when i told him about the harry the sign of the times his first song uh he was like i've been looking for an excuse to be excited about harry styles and i feel like that was sort of the um the vibe of that moment like when he put out his first record even though it it, it got like more mixed reception than i think his other two albums um it it was a moment where everyone kind of wanted him to succeed and uh i've been very interested in sort of the fallout from that i don't always i i often don't agree with sort of the criticisms of him and i think um a, a lot of the time they're not really rooted in actual criticisms but uh i you know i i'm not like totally totally on board with like everything that that he puts out but i do um think that think that uh he's become kind of an easy target uh in an era where i think you know people are are more looking for celebrities to target i feel like the, we talked about this i think on the last episode but like there was a point in the 2010s like there, there's this era at like the turn of the 2010s i called like the golden age of haters when like you know any pop star was going to get like death threats all the time and things like that and that was just yeah. sort of a funny thing to do and i feel like there was a moment after that that was sort of the backlash to that where like pop was very safe and everyone liked it and and mm -hmm. and not much exciting stuff was coming out of it and so i feel like now there is sort of a that that wave is sort of cresting again um but yeah i uh have a lot of thoughts on harry styles i always love when we can do an episode that like you know, I don't. I don't even know if we have different opinions on it. But I know that the people listening are going to have different opinions on him, and I feel like you know, even though this is a show about controversy, I feel like sometimes things get a little safe. I like when there's a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of contention. I like I, yeah. I like the drama. Yeah, I think. Um, and I was I was actually talking to Cat, who we both went to school with um, earlier this week, about queer baiting. And I was talking about Harry and I was like, I know that I am like, as a longtime fan, I feel defensive of him and that like clouds my perspective and my opinion. It's very much an opinion of the whole situation. I don't feel like I, you know, am the one in the right. I think it's a really worthwhile conversation that people are having about, um, I mean, people have always been talking about fashion when it comes to the celebrity and music world. And, um, in, you know, 2023, when gender and sexuality is like 
in the public eye in a way it hasn't been in a long time. Um, it can get really personal and people can feel kind of betrayed um, or like there is some sort of, I don't know, I've heard the way that people talk about him sometimes that he is, you know, performing queerness without um, coming out and that that's like some sort of controversy and that there's such a thing as, you know, dressing queer, but not being queer. Um, and I mean, I think even looking back before he went solo, I mean, him growing his hair out from like 2014 to 2016, um, was a little bit unconventional. And when he went solo and he did his rebrand, the first thing he did was cut his hair off. Um, mm -hmm. and that was like, I think a big moment for him saying like, I don't want to be associated necessarily with this, like identity I've been building for a while. Like I'm doing something new and getting rid of sort of his signature look, um, launching him into a totally different era in his life and also, um, fashion, which I think is something that he's heavily associated now with, um, and people definitely have opinions about it. Totally. I think um, something that we can sort of talk about in tandem with this is the history of queer baiting as a concept. Yeah, because it's something that it's something that we've brought that has I'm sure come up on the show before. But it's interesting. The, the queer baiting and Harry are sort of of the same generation mm -hmm. in that they both you know sort of develop and and flourish and build similar online communities in like the early tens um and and with queer baiting i don't know what the first show to be accused of queer baiting was um but you know i i know that if you the wikipedia page for queer baiting has like sherlock as the yeah that's <laughs> what i was gonna say i feel like sherlock and supernatural are kind of and even yeah. merlin like fringe fandoms that I think screenwriters and people who are writing these character arcs started to notice that they could, you know, include the sort of chemistry almost exclusively between men. There's not a bunch of super, you know, infamous of that era um, that I can think of um, lesbian or bi women characters. Um, I think the most memorable ones for me, yeah, were... In, in Sherlock especially. And it's different, you know, to accuse a producer or director or screenwriter or author of queer baiting than it is to accuse a living, breathing person of queer baiting. Um, and I don't know if you, you know, for you, what the difference might look like. Um, and also I'm curious about like what you know, what does that accusation do if you're pressuring someone who's producing a fictional storyline and saying like, hey, you're stringing your fans along, you're like getting all these people excited about these characters being together, and then you never do because you're scared to actually commit to a queer couple or character versus pressuring a real person to basically come out either and say, yes, I'm straight or no, I'm this thing. Um, and what, you know, what are you looking for when you're mm -hmm. trying to like resolve an issue of someone queer baiting? 
Yeah. Well, here's the rub, though. I think the queer baiting conversation goes back really to the, like, Joss Whedon, you know, Buffy and Firefly, mm-hmm. these shows that, you know, connected more directly with fans and developed a reputation for doing what the fans want, which has become sort of the, the MO of like, uh, of, like, a lot of the major franchises of today. Um, tapping into that that online fandom culture um but at the same time i think some of the early instances that i think are associated with this more public conversation about queer baiting are examples of uh pop stars pretending to be gay and the biggest example i think of is i kissed a girl by Katy perry Mm. but there are also i mean there are a lot of instances Nicki minaj and 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 a a lot of other artists who a lot of other women in 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 pop music who came up at the turn of that in that golden age of haters era sort of did claim to be you know, queer, bisexual, um, and then a couple years later be like, actually, no, I'm not. Mm. And so, but, but that's not what, (laughs) but that's not what Harry's doing. And, you know, we're not, um, we're not here to talk like gossip or anything, but obviously we do gossip. And (laughs) I, I would just say that if anyone out there is, you know, losing sleep, thinking that Harry <laughs> might be straight, uh, you can rest easy. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, like, I remember, like, parodies of One Direction songs from, like, their early days that were, you know, joking about Harry being the gay one. Mm. And it, it's it, it's it's an interesting... There are a lot of interesting sort of entanglements there with the fandom culture and the talk about queer baiting, the... Um, women in pop music who are sort of participating in that in a way while also playing these sort of larger than life characters Mm. that are clearly distinct from their from their real identities and also the homophobia that is sort of being targeted towards um women and men in pop music but but you know men in pop music in a particular way and that includes harry um it's all it's all this interesting sort of sort of uh web i think yeah well, and I think, at least when I think about Harry, a big cornerstone of his, you know, the conversations going around around him and his identity is the underlying stereotype of queer men are feminine and effeminate. And um, I think, one, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is, you know, does queer baiting always come out of, um, you know, someone being kind of gender nonconforming? Um, or does it come out of, you know, people observing interactions they've had with people of the same gender or perceived like chemistry or flirtations or things they've said? And with him, it's kind of like a mix of everything. You know, his fashion is one piece. Um, and you have him wearing a dress on the cover of Vogue in 2020. Um, and that sparked, I think, a new wave of criticisms and the conversation about his privilege which I think needs to be had. Um, But even with that Vogue cover of him in that blue lacy dress and he's standing in a field, um, I mean, Candace Owens responded to that photo um, on Twitter. And she was basically saying, let me see if I can find the actual... um, 
she said something along the lines of, you know, bring back manly men. Um, and Harry responded by, you know, posting a photo of himself, like mouthing a banana, wearing an, a feminine suit on Instagram and said, the caption was bring back manly men. Um, mm -hmm. and I feel like I love that. It's so charming. And, um, there's just not a lot of instances of him, like, really showing up and being willing, able to say something like that. Um, but I do think he is, yeah, a controversial figure, not just for, like, queer people and fans, but also people who are more on the conservative side, who genuinely feel like his presentation and his, I mean, even, like, his nail polish line that he has pleasing is, like inappropriate for men to be doing when they have this much of you know a public spotlight yeah but then to throw more wrenches into the mix please do it's not it's not only the you know his fashion that that people are responding to when they accuse him of queer baiting it's the fact that he you know you know, peppers certain lines into his lyrics mm -hmm. and makes comments like, I have some quotes here, um, when people ask him about his his sexuality, he often gives these very ambiguous answers, um, a little less so as time has gone on. Uh, his most his most recent one was, I've been really open with it with my friends, but that's my personal experience. The whole point of where we should be heading, which is towards accepting everybody and being more open, is that it doesn't matter, and it's not about not having to label everything, not having to clarify what boxes you're checking. Um, he said earlier, am I sprinkling in nuggets of sexual ambiguity, ambiguity to try and be more interesting? No. In terms of how I want to dress and what the album sleeve is going to be, I tend to make decisions in terms of collaborators I want to work with. I want things to look a certain way, not because it makes me look gay or it makes me look straight or it makes me look bisexual, but because I think it looks cool. Mm. Um, so I think people are sort of responding to those, like, to, to those ambiguous comments and the, you know, the lines he peppers into some of his songs as well as, you know, the, the the way that he dresses, the perception that he is not, you know, um uh being being active representing the community, things like that. But but I don't I don't agree with that uh, at all really. But um the other thing that is interesting from the fan perspective to go back to that sort of dichotomy of like of like the 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 homophobia and the queer baiting in like in like early tens pop sort of kayfabe at that time, a big part of the Harry Styles fandom was people who shipped him with one of his bandmates. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, and even like going back to his One Direction days, um, and I think about this when it comes to his sort of, maybe with the quote you just read at the train, because it's not even like he's reluctant to talk about these things, but there is this ambiguity. And... I mean, he has been, like, seen as a sexual romantic object since he was a minor. Since he was 16, he became famous when he was 16. And, I mean, I still have a huge stack of, you know, J14 teen magazines from my adolescence. And, you know, in boy bands, they're kind of compartmentalized into, like, having different types. And he was usually the flirt, the romantic one, the cute one. He was called a womanizer from, like, a really young age. And there was, like, jokes and rumors that he liked older women. Um, just kind of, like, a really diff... I think being a teenager 
and being extremely famous is like super difficult and I feel bad for him in some ways. Um, but I do wonder, and there's no way for me to know this, but I, you know, I could see how growing up and being a teenager and a young person in an environment where you're seen as, you know, the dream boyfriend for all of these women and girls and that assumption, um, I don't know, it might make him, you know, now that he's in his late twenties, I don't know if it's reluctance, but there's that baggage of like being in the spotlight for so long and having your sexuality be a huge component of your career um, and how much of your privacy you have ownership over anymore. That is an interesting perspective. And I feel like I tend to chalk up his like, you know, ambiguity when he tries to talk about these things to him being like kind of dumb. Like when, he, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's, it's like when he won the when he won the Grammy and, and, and he said, this doesn't happen to people like me very often. Oh, I feel like he just, you know, sometimes <laughs> doesn't, yeah. sometimes shoots himself in the foot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think that it makes sense that he would, you know, want to have like a, like a private life. And if you think about it, like when he was a teenager, he would always be in the tabloids with like whoever he was dating. He was dating Taylor Swift, et cetera. Um, but he, he has led a very private life since, uh, since going solo. Yeah. I'm kind of impressed by the level of privacy that he has for being such a figure and not even like, I don't think his image is definitely not private. He's not like, you know, under the radar. Every time I go to the grocery store, his face is on like 10 magazines at the checkout aisle. Um, and, but in terms of like, he's not super active on social media when it is, it's like professional photos that have been taken of him on stage. Um, he doesn't tweet daily about his life or what he's having for lunch or, you know, stir up drama on social media, um, in a way that he could. Um, but I don't know if that's because he's been having this public image for so long and there was a lot of drama um, in, you know, the 2010s, um, and some Twitter drama that happened, not necessarily with him, but with bandmates. Um, and I'm just curious, I wonder if, like, his, his privacy does seem like it's important to him, and that quote that you pulled, I'd be interested to hear your, not interpretation, but maybe your response to it, and him sort of saying, like, you know, my friends know, like, people who are close to me know about me and what's going on with me. And then the tension of like, well, if you are queer, I want you to like represent the community and just like do it. Um, like where does, pro like, I don't know, does he have an obligation? Um, like why or why doesn't he, you know, have the right to privacy or is that ambiguity just like, you know, trying to hook people into mm -hmm. following what's going on with him? Yeah, my feeling is really that, like, he is um, as out and as engaged as uh, someone who values privacy as much as he seems mm -hmm. to could be. Like, I feel like the quote of my, you know, people who know me personally know my sexuality yeah. is, is like, <laughs> coming out without coming out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I think in in concerts, he certainly made statements and it is, you know, I, I, his, obviously his, 
fashion and the the things that he does in fashion are clearly making a statement on their own and his concerts have kind of become you know it's it's a thing for a lot of artists but i feel like harry is one of the big ones where like people will you know his concerts are sort of their own kind of fashion show in a way where people feel encouraged to you know wear wear whatever they, they they feel best in and yeah, I my my feeling on the matter is maybe it's taken a little while to get to this point, but I think that uh he he is essentially out and he is, you know, doing more <laughs> like like I think there are a lot of people who you know, dress in a gender non-conforming way and do a lot less for the community than than Harry does, which is not to say that he's like a a freedom fighter or whatever, but I, I think people underrate um, his 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 role, yeah. his, how active of a role he's had. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, when we were talking about doing this episode, you know, I was trying to think, like, what has he said? Like, concretely, what do we know about his, um, how he describes himself? And the first thing that comes to mind is someone who's sort of been here for so long as a particular interview that came out when they were doing their fourth album promotion. Um, There was so many interviews, even in this one setting. Um, And he was, you know, there was an interviewer there and she was pulling up questions from Twitter. Um, And the question, it was just him and Liam in the, in the interview. And the question was, what are four favorite traits you look for in a girl? Um, And Liam immediately was like being really bro-y and was like a female. And then there's like this awkward pause and Harry sort of stares off into space and then coughs and then he shrugs and he says, not that important. And then Liam just looks at him and like kind of smiles. And then Harry says, um, the important traits to him are sense of humor, natural and someone who's nice. Um, which stood out to a lot of people who were like, you know, watching all of these random promo interviews, but, um, I don't know if it's something that people, you know, it wasn't like a tweet. It wasn't on a late night show that the band was on. It was just a moment. And I think he took a risk by sort of making that joke um, and saying that female is not something he looks for um, in a partner or in the case of the question, in a girl, which is really interesting. Um, and I don't think that someone can say like, oh, that's queer baiting. Um, I think that's like a genuine you could say a moment of coming out in some way or like putting a foot out of the closet and letting it sort of just be part of this 15 minute interview and the people who see it, see it. And it is what it is. Um, so I don't know. That's the one moment where I was like, it's the most overt he's been to my knowledge. Um, and I mean, there is a larger question of, you know, why are people so, so eager for him to claim a label and um what is it going to mean for him or for you know the general public to have him you know whatever make a super overt statement and say this is who i am this is what's going on um and why do we crave that so much let's see if we can try to get to the bottom of that yeah (laughs) <laughs> i'd love that we we can sort of look at sort of each phase of his career and we've already talked a little bit about the sort of the grounds that he came up in which were you know 
X Factor, uh, Golden Age of Haters, all these big like 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 wrestling type personas in 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 pop music. Um, and One Direction was never that exactly. <laughs> One Direction was was always a little more down to earth than I think, you know. Justin Bieber or Lady Gaga or any of the other sort of like yeah. big names in pop of their era. Yeah, I agree. And part of the appeal, definitely. But I feel like from an early point, Harry sort of becomes like the de facto, like people are sort of pegging him as the Timberlake, like mm. from the beginning. And it's part of the lore that like, that like he was kind of the the one who came up with the name one direction that he was the one like, like later on that he was the one who sort of suggested that they uh split up like th- like he was very front and center for that one direction conversation especially after zane leaves yeah um but yeah it, it, he he's sort of representing this group of like you know l- less flashy they're presented as these kind of as these kind of everyday middle class sort of British kind of lads, um, and 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 they have sort of instant success that way before the sort of post Lord era mm. of of like of of like this big boom of of more more indie and they are the opposite of an indie artist in a way, but yeah, they they they, they did kind of have that very public rise also through the X Factor thing, and I feel like those competition shows do always produce artists who are like who have that sort of down-to-earth image if you think about like kelly clarkson or carrie underwood when they first came out it's sort of the same thing yeah and it's interesting like i remember being in middle school early high school and friends and i would just watch like so many compilations on youtube of like one direction funniest moments like being obsessed with the camaraderie and having access to like or feeling like you have access to like friendships that you're not a part of um, and also there's something to be said about like seeing men, young men who are friends and not seeing them constantly bashing on women. Um, and I think as like a young, at the time identifying as like a girl, um, I, I don't know. I think some part of their masculinity was like attractive to me and I came out as trans my second year of high school, um, and in terms of also seeing like Harry sort of coming into his own with his fashion and experimenting with, you know, the only one in the group who really grew his hair out. Zane did a little bit for a while, but um, I think it was it was clear to me um, that I thought, you know, didn't know where things were going to go, but I thought he would probably stick around um, and stay either in the spotlight. And I mean, he's pursued film semi i mean i won't say it's successfully but he has like in his solo career kind of branched out um and i wonder if you'd want to talk about the his debut album at all um or or you know anything that sort of came up for you in that first era of him leaving the band that is sort of the next stage of it in a way is like harry starting to experiment with his fashion a little more um uh, as the band progresses as we start looking at like 2013 2014 he does start to grow his hair out and you know is is like wearing like 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 boots and more more feminine sort of sort of outfits and still like not really not not really going beyond sort of a a sort of a binary idea of fashion but definitely like starting to, to flirt with it a little bit um 
you, you know, and I think we talk about some of the controversy with like later on uh, when when Harry is is Harry and and some of the former members of the band seem kind of uncomfortable with it. I think mm-hmm. that sort of speaks to um, the tension between. Uh, Harry, like, like we we think of, and I think this is something that's really ingrained in our culture, is thinking of, you know, fashion and experimentation in fashion as this sort of sort of decadent, bourgeois kind of thing, and so even though, you know, it's like like everyday lads, like 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 the people who One Direction are presented as, do experiment with gender do have like different ideas of gender and it, you know there's nothing that necessarily cl- class related about it mm. to people like i don't remember which member of the band it was but to people <laughs> like some of the some of the members of the band um it it, it seems like you know that people have trouble reconciling those two things mm. i know that liam has made some comments um in the past couple of years when he was coming out with his solo album, which was a disaster um, of him. And he was asked about Harry and he was asked about Harry's fashion. And Liam said something like, Oh, I would look fucking ridiculous if I wore that. Um, and some of the comments from there put some distance between like, well, I'm this type of guy and I'm this type of musicians and there's Harry doing that. Um, and I mean, I have not really followed the other members' solo careers, and I think it's very fair to say that Harry is by far the most successful. Um, Mm -hmm. But I even think about, like, because within the first album, the first album, I was re-listening to the albums um, this week, and the first album has a lot of, like, I don't know, there's some moments where there's lines about, like, I don't know, talking about how I think the song... um, only angel it's talking about this woman who's like an angel but she's a devil in between the sheets and like can't take her home to meet mother in a short that skirt just like comments where i was like Mm -hmm. huh like that i mean i and i think that's like a i'm not part of one direction anymore i'm going to talk about you know wanting morphine and you know taking girls home and all of these things that were like I don't know, him coming into a new era and him being like, I'm my own thing. I'm an adult now. I'm going to talk about these things. Um, yeah. And when the first, when the album came out, I myself, I felt like surprised and some of the lines rubbed me the wrong way. And I was like, this does not sound like him. But it was kind of, I was like, well, he's not part of this super sanitized group anymore. I don't have any idea, you know, how much of this is him versus his rebrand or the team that's working with him, the other musicians involved and what's being curated, you know, for a debut album um, to sort of reintroduce a new person, um, a new musician and um, get the attention of people that would have dismissed him if he kept releasing music. um, If it was like the music that One Direction was releasing. Yeah, at one point we were going to do an episode on just the solo careers of One Direction, um, which which I still have the notes for. That's still something that we could come back to at some point. But um, looking at the progression there, there's obviously drama with the band when Zane goes solo, and then he has the big hit right out of the gate and the big successful album. 
Um, and so I feel like by the time before Sign of the Time comes out, Sign of the Times comes out, there is like already I feel like an anticipation that Harry is going to do something you know big and kind of glammy and 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 you know with with more of these like like 80s kind of kind of new wave rock sort of influences um like there's a lot of anticipation that goes into that that i feel like people were excited for as they were with zane Hmm. where they're just like you know and zane's first single um uh, pillow talk is like so weird (laughs) 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 i feel like people were yeah people were ready for for more of that and then i feel like sign of the times just you know it was something really different and i feel like nowadays in the tiktok era it's very easy for something different to sort of blow up but in 2017 the 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 pop world and the radio sort of world was very you know hegemonic it was it was there were there was really not much pop music coming out and what it was it was artists that that weren't huge names that you know the chain smokers and and daya and like 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 very late Katy perry stuff that people weren't really into um and so i feel like sign of the times and praying by kesha were these two things that Mm. like you know came out and were very sort of anthemic and like very clearly rock influenced and like these 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 big new things that i feel like at the time i and everyone else was like well there's a ceiling for how well that can do and then they both you know were top 10 hits which i think was even more than people were expecting um and 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 sign of the times is number one in the uk uh so i think harry's first outing as a as a solo artist was 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 very much like a okay this guy's the real deal now we're getting somewhere yeah yeah agreed and um when i was looking back on spotify and i was releasing the album i was reminded of a cover that he did with a spotify as a spotify single um that i hadn't listened to in a while but that i love and it's a cover of um little big town's girl crush um and it's a, an acoustic um cover and um the song is like strikingly queer especially because the original um, because it's sung by a woman, has the same flavor of I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. Um, but even more so because the song is geared around, like, you know, the narrator, Little Big Town's lead, the woman, saying, you know, I have a girl crush because this girl that I'm crushing on is in love with the man that I'm in love with. And, like, I want to be here so <laughs> that he desires me. Um, but I think Harry choosing to cover it, you know, some of the lyrics are... You know, I want to taste her lips because they taste like you. I want her long blonde hair. I want her magic touch because maybe then you'd want me just as much. I've got a girl crush, um, which really sticks with me. Um, and as someone who identified as like a gay man for a while, I've, you know, come into different places with my identity now. But um, I think, you know, yearning, you know, having like a, a gay love um, who's with a woman and sort of being like, if I could look and feel and act like her to get access to you um, and him being willing to put himself in those shoes to cover a song and also have it not be his song. Um, There's like a a wall there that he doesn't have to cross, but at the same time, you know, if you're in the loop, if you're listening to it, there's something really revealing there to me. Um, And that came out around the same time as his first album. 
Yeah, and the, the other thing to point out is that the first album comes out, it comes out, it's a critical hit, it's a commercial hit, and Dunkirk comes out, like, mm. two months later. And, uh, the, you know, I I feel like the, 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 the last year's sort of press cycle kind of ate up the fact that his film debut was this, you know, big summer movie that was acclaimed, and people really liked his performance. He was only in it for, like... Ten minutes, but yeah. but it, it, it was you know there was there was a big positive reception to that, and after that he was like, you know, I mean we'll we'll get into don't worry, darling, and my policeman, but it's also like he was in talks to be in Elvis, mm. and Bos Lerman was like he's a great actor, but he's sort of already his own thing. He was going to be the lead in Robert Eggers's Nosferatu, and Robert Eggers said he's a really mm. good actor. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, like he so I feel like we can just get into it, I guess. There's they're very quickly I like like at the start of last year there was an idea like maybe Harry is going to be a serious contender as an actor. And I feel like people were already like but can he act? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like <laughs> Both of those movies um, were pretty poorly received, and we can talk about how we feel about them, but yeah. don't worry, darling, and my policeman, but um, it very quickly became like, he can't act. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, I, I, and again, you know, all these Nolan and, and Lerman and, and Robert Eggers, like, 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 there's all these, you know, auteurs who want to work with him, and I think, I, I think even now he's... Maybe gonna uh, he 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 could have this great career as an actor, but I think that partially the sort of backlash to you know so he he had some looks like at the Met Gala or, or just in like photo shoots that got kind of clowned on, and mm-hmm. I think that like his reputation just soured to a point where like it's not just that. You know, people, it didn't, it didn't really matter. And I don't think he was bad and don't worry, darling, but it, it didn't really matter because people were already, people were kind of rooting for his downfall by that point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, I don't know what the name of it is, but the photo shoot that came out in like winter, late fall of 2022, no, 2021, um, with some like truly wild looks. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of, and I, even when that, when that photo shoot came out and there were people making comments, um, I wish I could like, you know, cite the people who were talking about this. Um, but some people saying, you know, like this feels kind of like homophobic or weird. There's like something (laughs) about like, you can say these outfits are whack, but there's also a layer of like, is like expressing yourself with hyper-feminine fashion and quote-unquote weird fashion like is like that being like received as being like I don't know like wrong or bizarre or like inappropriate um and like oh you can dress like this but this is pushing it too far um and like I'm all for art I'm all for expressing yourself but if you wear something like this and you look like that um we actually don't want to see that yeah and my perspective in the um, in the fine line era was I felt like on Harry's first album he was doing this like Rolling Stones kind of kind of rock star vibe, and I thought he was sort of too pretty for that. I liked that in the fine line era he was like you know he had the little mustache and the kind of unkempt hair, and he was sort of leaning yeah. into being a little less conventionally attractive. 
So I appreciated, you know, all those looks that, that, that people were kind of making fun of. Maybe the, the Met Gala look was a little underwhelming, but like, <laughs> like, I think, you know, it, it, it definitely speaks to a sort of cultural shift that I've been talking about. And I think, um, I, I think perhaps we are, moving back on it now that like the you know the more like satanic panic conservatives mm-hmm. have come out of the woodwork but there i think there was an era in the in the late tens where it started to be like you know celebrities pop stars people it, it became once again like these people are easy targets mm-hmm. and you know people to to kind of clown on and in a way this this is sort of getting into a whole other can of worms. I think the sort of poptimist like like reclamation project of all those people who got made fun of in the early tens never really came for the male pop stars, mm-hmm. which which is is a complicated thing. And I think you know there are legitimate reasons to dislike some of these people, and they're you know. But but I think there's a particular flavor of homophobia and misogyny that comes for men in pop music. Yeah. And there are people like, you know, the people of that era like the members of One Direction and like Justin Bieber and later like um, Ed Sheeran is a great example where it feels like people need to couch any statement about Ed Sheeran with like, I hate him, but... And it's like, he didn't do anything. Yeah, he, he really did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I will say, I have not seen... Don't worry, don't worry, darling. So if you have, I would love your thoughts on it. Um, and the bits that I have seen of it and some of the reception that I've read. Um, I mean, it was, I mean, him being Florence Pugh's um, partner, for lack of a better word, husband, I don't know the exact situation. Um, but there was so much buzz around in the trailer the like sexy scene between them um and that so much of Florence Pugh and Harry's performance was like geared around you know this supposed sex scene that was going to happen um and I also wonder you know Florence Pugh being such a successful um actress you know how that might feel for her for getting you know Harry as a as a co-star in that and doing a scene like that. Um, I don't know, but again, I haven't, I haven't seen the film. Yeah. Well, don't worry, darling. Um, obviously got swallowed up in the behind the scenes drama. Right. That, that, that Harry was also involved in, um, which was really fun stuff. Um, (laughs) and is, and is the reason that that movie did make money at the end Mm. of the day. Um, it probably would have anyway, because Harry was in it, but, uh, and it was in theaters, but um, I think I at the time was like, this movie isn't good, but it's you know it, it it's not all bad. Like I, you know, even right after seeing it, I was like, Harry isn't the problem, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like like he's good. He's not like overwhelmingly like like it's not a you know an Oscar worthy performance mm-hmm. or anything. But he, I think he does what he's there to do very well. Um, but as, as time's gone on, I've sort of come to appreciate Don't Worry Darling as, like, a, a piece of, like, pop culture schlock that we're, yeah. that we're all sort of on the level about. Like, I loved it when the first episode of this new season of Riverdale is called Don't Worry Darling. Um, there was, 
in the new season of Animaniacs, there was a Pinky and the Brain short that was sort of riffing on Don't Worry Darling. Like, mm-hmm. I like movies that can be shorthand like that. Um, so I've sort of, maybe if I watched it again, I'd be like, yeah, this isn't very good. But, but my opinion on it has risen since I saw it in theaters. Um, but yeah, I think Harry is good in that movie and serves that movie well because it doesn't demand, you know, something so crazy out of him. I mean, it demands he does like a couple different accents and does like, you know, at the, the, like, like sexy moments and scary moments. And the, 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 like, it, it, it requires him to sort of show off his catalog and maybe has a, a more limited catalog than someone you'd want to have in that role. I think my policeman is the movie where his limited range really kind of kills the movie. Yeah. My policeman is a whole, Yeah. <laughs> I saw it, funny enough, I saw it in theaters by myself. There was not a soul in the theater. (laughs) It was just me. And it was in sort of like, I don't know, an indie theater um, here in Portland. And I got like my peppermint tea to go in to watch this movie by myself on like a Sunday morning. Um, And I love um, historical fiction as a genre. I'm especially intrigued when it shows gay or queer um, storylines and tries to sort of, I don't know, but I'm always skeptical because I'm like, how much work did the author put into this? Like how grounded in a historical moment is this going to be? And the original book it was based off of, which I have not read, came out in 2012, um, by Beth and Roberts. And I don't know how much, I don't even know if the book is very good. My sister-in-law read it, said it was not good. Um, but you know, for those who don't know, it's um, it's set in 1950s Britain. Harry plays a police officer named Tom, um, gets involved with a woman who's played by Emma Corrin, and um, Emma's character introduces Tom to this museum curator named Patrick, who's played by David Dawson. Um, and the movie's kind of long. It's like, it's, what is, it's over two hours, I think. Um and like you were saying, it it demands a lot um, of the actors in it. And there's just so much screen time of Harry and so much that he had to do. Um, and there was also some, he made some statements about it that were not received well. Um, and I think it was mm-hmm. in Rolling Stone where he said, it's obviously pretty unfathomable now to think, oh, you couldn't be gay, that was illegal. I think everyone, including myself, has your own journey with figuring out sexuality and getting more comfortable with it. It's not like this is a gay story about these gay guys being gay. It's about love <laughs> and, about, and about wasted time to me. So much of gay sex in film is two guys going at it and it kind of removes the tenderness from it. Um, and then he says, <laughs> there will be, I would imagine some people who watch it, who were very much alive during this time when it was illegal to be gay. And the director wanted to show that it's meaning gay sex, sex, tender and loving and sensitive. Um, which is a whole statement. <laughs> I have, um, there was moments in it where I was like, oh my God, you're so dumb. Um, but yeah. other moments where I was like, okay, you're, you're getting some nuance and, there is something to be said. Um, it's interesting, though, that, like, I mean, the thing with My Policeman is that it was an Amazon movie, 
and it had a fairly limited release and it was never going to be the sort of like you know big studio nationwide like, kind of thing that don't worry darling was but it's interesting how it seems like people were drawn to don't worry darling partially because harry's in it and partially because of the drama and people were not drawn to my policeman uh po- I, I think partially because partially because like that kind of movie doesn't really find an audience unless it's like well received, but yeah. also because I think the negative reception to Harry in Don't Worry Darling mm. sort of put people off from, from from going to see my policeman. Yeah, that makes sense. Um and I mean again, I don't think Harry is the problem with Don't with mm. Don't Worry Darling. I don't think he's bad. In, in in the film but um that was so, sort of his his moment to like his sort of four-year consideration moment as a movie star and uh it did not it did not go well for him and i think that sort of compounded the backlash the other movie that he was in was eternals where i oh. uh, where he shows up in a post credit scene as Eros, brother of Thanos. Um, and uh, th- that is probably not going anywhere. <laughs> I actually think I actually think Harry said in an interview, like, right before Don't Worry Darling came out, that he's, like, not going to do any movies for a while, mm. which, is, which is probably a good thing. I think he can kind of reset and sort of go back to, again, some of these, some of these auteurs and these, like, you know projects that that you know people are really looking to him for um i know that uh the robert eggers nosferatu is back on now but i'm sure it's too late for for him to get involved in that um but yeah i think where we are now and the way that like like, like every sort of individual thing in Harry's career has moved him more in that kind of easy target direction I was talking about. And now we're in this space where, you know, he won the Grammy for album of the year a couple months ago. And he is really like one of the biggest pop stars and has, and has like, you know, this, this tremendous fan base all over the world. And yet it does sort of feel like, you know, the the cool thing to be is someone who doesn't like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I was like a closet Harry Stan for a very long time. And even when I was in high school, especially, I don't know, because before I came out as, as trans, I mean, being like an 11, 12, 13 year old girl who was like on the One Direction train was pretty embarrassing um, for me. And looking back, I'm like, you have nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, but at the time, it was especially because I was like pursuing straight men at the time. And it was just like, if this guy finds out that like, I'm into One Direction, he's not going to take me seriously, he's going to make fun of me. Um, none of my other music tastes are going to be, you know, thought of as being legit at all. Um, and then once I came out as queer and trans, I felt kind of strange being in fandom spaces and in conversations that were mostly, you know, not about me. Um, and even, you know, when, when One Direction was big, a lot of the interviews and things would be framed as like, oh, your female friend, your female fans and like all the girls who love you and this whole just like heterosexual, um, 
marketing conversation and the idea that the people who love boy bands are young, um, insecure, unintelligent girls is incredibly misogynistic. And as a queer trans fan for a while, I was like, this is really awkward. I don't know how to talk about this. I'm just not going to talk about it. Um, and now being almost 24 and like watching Harry have a solo career and then also seeing him like have gay sex scenes, like explicitly gay sex scenes in My Policeman was like very, um, jarring. I mean, it's been a decade that I've been sort of watching this unfold and it's like a huge jump for me personally and something that I never thought I would see, um, from him. And part of me is like genuinely like proud and surprised that he was willing to do all of this. Um, and like you were saying, it, it's, it's popular to not like him and it's easy to shit on him in some ways. Um, and the queer bidding discourse is just like another layer that kind of like intellectualizes the problems with him. Um, yeah. And it's hard to talk about and watch happen, honestly. Yeah, to get in, into sort of my classic anti-fan diatribe, I think it's interesting to contrast the complaints that, you know, Harry has betrayed the fans' trust by not admitting that he's gay, or <laughs> this, this is how they would put it, um, we also have this long history going back to the Larry Shepherds of people, you know, in, in feeling free to pl pl play with Harry like an action figure, mm. you know? And it's something we talked about in our Elvis episode about that sort of dichotomy between like the, the, the image of a, of a celebrity and the real person underneath. And I think another area where that becomes clear is in the movies starring Harry Styles that we're talking about that have all these problems they run into, especially with like, you know, the, the, the public, like, 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 like even Harry fans or people who are, you know, the people who are most aware of Harry are most reticent and most willing to, you know, be against these films. You can compare that to the sort of cottage industry of films and media based on Harry Styles. Like, there's, there's the, um, the Happy Together series that he, that he produced, but there's also the three separate books that have been, in, two book series that have been inspired by him after mm -hmm. Grace and the Fever and The Idea of You. The after books got turned into movies that right. were quite, quite successful. They made all of them into movies in like three years. And they're also making a movie out of The Idea of You that Anne Hathaway is going to be in. Mm -hmm. So like, it's, I, I think to this day, there's a thing with Harry fans and or 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 the more general public that is like consuming Harry that they are happy to have this sort of heartthrob that they can write things onto and sort of feel like feel like it's a betrayal mm. that that Harry is a real human being yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's hard, too, with, you know, the idea of parasocial relationships that you, and even I'll speak for myself, like, I feel like 
Harry has been in my world since I was like a little kid. Um, and acknowledging that like, he does not know who I am. My opinion of him does not matter. Like we are not friends, no matter how much I think I know about him or know him. Um, I am not entitled and nor is anyone else entitled to knowing information about his life, his sexuality. Um, and it is hard to be like, oh, I care about, you know, this celebrity that I've never met and who doesn't know me. And I want him to be the kind of representation that I want him to be. Um, and I get that, but, um, I'm also just struggling with when it comes to queer beating. I mean, recently we had Kit Connor who stars in Heartstopper be bullied with queer beating accusations to the point that he was forced to come out as bisexual before he was ready on Twitter. Um, and that was just like really disgusting behavior um, on supposed fans and people who were criticizing, you know, queer fiction TV and stuff like that to go after a real person who's a, who's a kid. He's like 18, um, and force him to come out before he was ready. Um, and what I can clean back to with Harry too, is like, what are the queer reading accusations accomplishing? I mean, the option is like, you're, you're giving this critique or you're accusing him. Um, you know, do you want him to come out as straight and apologize for doing what he's been doing? Um, or do you want him to respond like Kit Connor did and say, actually, I am this thing. I'm bi, I'm gay, I'm queer. Um, and shut the conversation down. And then that makes people who've been bothering him about it for years kind of bullies in my opinion um mm-hmm. so i don't know what the future of queer baiting <laughs> looks like i don't know um you know if it's gonna get worse or people are gonna get more upset and i think also like as someone who's been part of the lgbt and queer community for a long time you know this urge to want to you know is queerless like a f- queerness like a what am I trying to say? Like a finite resource that we need to like protect and make sure that only certain people get to be, um, out in a certain way. Um, are we, is something bad happening by him not, you know, claiming a label? Um, and what's at stake? I don't really know. I tend to be on the, um, it, it's an interesting thing. Because I, I think it's something that always that nowadays is just an effect of people who are on Harry's level of fame. I think there are. I was going to say that you know there was a time in history where people felt like they had to be in where people did have to be in the closet, and there was also a time where after that where people could could choose to be in the closet mm. or could choose to just like not make a statement about it and just sort of be queer in their private life. Um, and it wouldn't come out until quite some time later or people like, I think you see the progression from there to like people like Jodie Foster in the Mm nineties where everyone would sort of talk about her or or Queen Latifah. People would talk about them sort of being gay, but they would never come out and say it. And then it would just sort of end up, you know, years later, 
they'd be like, here's my wife. And it's like, you know, that, that sort of thing. There's, there's a question of, are we now in an era where everyone is being speculated about and fans are so demanding that like you, you know, it's, it's impossible to make that choice. Mm. And I also think that my position on the Harry backlash is very much like it's, you know, ridiculous and, and a lot of the complaints about him are ridiculous and it's, you know, there's a, there's a tinge of sort of internalized homophobia in it. Mm. But then I, you know, in terms of how I feel about Harry as like a, as an artist, I, do I like the movies that he's in? Not really. Do I like his music? I like some of the songs, but I, I don't really like any of his albums per se. It's, I, I, I think that part of it is, you know, is there a version of Harry who sticks the landing hard? Like, like if everything had gone right for Harry in terms of like his albums not only being commercial successes, but being sort of critically acclaimed, mm-hmm. his, his film career going on the right path, is there a path where he would have avoided this backlash? Or is it the fact that he is so famous and so successful as an artist that created this backlash? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and even recently there was an article, I think it was put out by them, that um, where Adam Lambert weighed in <laughs> and that the Harry Styles queer baiting accusations, he said, underestimates gay people's intelligence. Um, and he said, we're not that gullible, are we? I think people just like to find things to bitch about, which <laughs> I love that from Adam, Adam Lambert, who's such a gay icon. Um, Absolutely. and ha- just kind of like, you know, he's seen these conversations play out throughout the 2000s and the 2010s and, you know, is not, you know, hasn't had the type of career that Harry has, but, um, just sort of recognizing that, you know, I think people do just want to complain. And when you get to that level of success, people are going to start complaining about you and they're going to be having, you know, things to say. Um, and it's interesting also that he was saying, you know, that it underestimates gay people's intelligence to be so, um, like you were saying earlier that I think, you know, he is out in a way that he can be out while maintaining the privacy that he wants or needs. Um, and to be saying that, like, having all of this language of queer baiting, you know, I think most queer people who are looking at the situation are like, we kind of know what's going on. Um, and this is like a distraction. What does this actually have to do with, I don't know, with our community or what's at stake? I, I don't quite know. Yeah, maybe it's just that the price of having that sort of private gay life that I was mm. talking about these celebrities of the past having is that there will be a certain number of, you know, young people online who are always mad at you. Yeah. (laughs) That's, I feel like that's really fair. Um, or unfair depending on how you look at it. Um, yeah. It's interesting with Adam Lambert though, cause, cause you know, he's obviously older, but he did come up at about the same time uh, you know, 2000, 2008, 2009 on American Idol, uh, doing the reality competition thing as well. And he was someone who never had to 
come out really was very very openly gay from the start and i think was sort of i don't know faced faced scrutiny in kind of a different way it's interesting to think about the dichotomy between those two obviously lambert was never as big of an artist as as harry sort of was from 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 the age of 17 but he i i think he faced something similar in terms of like everyone knew he was gay he wasn't hiding anything no one was speculating about anything but they were sort of picking him apart and i i think i think he sort of has the perspective to be able to say wherever the criticism of harry is coming from it's rooted in that same sort of homophobia and that sort of panopticon like you know the 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 no true scotsman sort of thing like 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 having to sort of sort of having the the internalized bias of like there's something fake about this person there's something Mm. there's something secret to be revealed about this person uh which i think goes into the whole coming out narrative in general which is a whole other conversation but (laughs) you know lambert is in a position to see how that's affecting harry it's something i was talking about the other day with friends just like there there are a lot of like queer people who will kind of bully you for being gender nonconforming, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and and i feel like I, I i feel like yeah the the lambert perspective there is interesting yeah yeah and i think i mean the last thing that i wanted to bring up um is sort of the idea that he is profiting off of looking or performing queerness without coming out and saying it and the thing that I struggle with is he's, I mean, he's filthy rich. You know, celebrities are going to profit no matter what. Um, and I don't know, would people prefer that he profit off of being hyper-masculine and make money while fitting into, you know, cisgender, heterosexual norms? Um, like, do we really need more hyper-masculine, heterosexual men in the spotlight? Um, and is the, would we prefer that, you know, if he's not going to come out as gay or queer, he should not be helping fans come out of the closet at concerts. He should not be wearing the things he wears. He should not be flying rainbow flags and never express femininity. Um, and I don't know how it fits into the idea that like clothes have no gender and like you, you, anyone can look any way they want doesn't determine their sexuality and be behind that sentiment and then also say, you know, he can't do the things that he's doing without coming out of the closet in the way that I want him to. Um, I feel like there's a lot of tension yeah. in those two's ideas. And I hear that argument from queer people who are like really wanting him to be something that he isn't currently being. Um, but I would rather him you know, not formally come out and continue dressing the way he dresses, saying the things he says, then him either disappear or be hyper-masculine and heterosexual. Um, I don't quite know yeah. what the ideal is for him at this point. Like, how how is he going to... There's nothing to do. Right. I think the idea that, like, he he's, you know, insidiously profiting off of so-called queer aesthetics Mm. 
by by being gender nonconforming <laughs> is 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 so kind of like if you think about it for two seconds, it doesn't make sense. It just yeah. you know using language that we all know in a way that sounds like it has a point. But you can look at like I don't know, Prince Prince never came out. Prince was right. supposedly straight. Like it, and I think that you can compare him to like a Nick Jonas who was never like gender nonconforming, but was specifically marketing himself to like a gay audience mm. and, and, you know, gay guy kind of, kind of being, being the object of desire for gay guys, despite never, never even claiming to be gay, um, which I think is cool too. But it, what, what Harry is doing is not like, you know, I'm going to dress like this so that gay people buy my music. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, it, it would look very different if that's what he was doing. And I think he has been very willing to, again, be experimental in, in his fashion and not always just be going for, like, the aesthetic of, I don't even know what, what it is, the aesthetic of a gender nonconforming person. Right. Is it the, like, the aesthetic of, you know, it's it, 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 it doesn't, track with reality really right and how profitable is being gender non-conforming like i i don't know i get that certain things um trend and i don't see a problem with trends moving in a gender non-conforming way but i don't know that i don't know that's a whole like you said whole other can of worms um i guess in some my feeling is that the backlash to Harry for his fashion or for the fact that he has not, you know, gone all out with, with, with coming out or anything like that, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think it is, you know, rooted in a lot of um, uh, internalized homophobia and indicative of, I think, a backward slide in our culture that has happened in the last five years. Um in terms of how I feel about Harry, um, I like him and I want him to progress positively as an artist. I don't think he is like fully formed yet. And I think it was a, uh, you know, a poor choice to give him album of the year, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, like, agree. if, if he was straight, uh, I would, I would want him to maybe, not be teasing it so much in terms of his statements, but mm. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him to like, you, you know, I would have no problem with him like having the entire career that he's had and being straight. Yeah. And also like, if, if you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I agree. And I, I think from a sentimental, like adolescent nostalgic perspective, I'm always going to root for him. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, however he identifies, I'm not entitled to know. Um, I'm never going to know him. I can have, you know, whatever kind of like opinions I do about the situation. But, you know, as an androgynous person myself and someone who's transitioned um, over the course of the last, you know, maybe eight years, um, He's been on my periphery as someone who is the kind of guy that I would like to look like in some way, shape, or form. 
Um, I don't think there's a lot of male celebrities that I can think of right now. Um, and maybe that's just because I'm not super involved in pop culture. Um, but in terms of someone who's been around for a while that I've known about for, for, you know, at the sake of sounding corny, I feel inspired and comforted, um, by his presentation. And I don't feel a sense of dissatisfaction that he hasn't said he's queer. Um, and if he ever comes out publicly, um, That'll be a whole nother thing to experience, not just personally, but within a fandom that I still have some tethers to and just culturally and what's going to be said about that. But in the meantime, you know, I, I don't really think about it. I don't worry about it. The thing that worries me is the critiques that he's getting, um, mostly from queer fans who are feeling entitled information about his sex life, um, and ultimately realizing over the course of a decade um, of being a fan of his that, um, you know, it's kind of none of my business and, um, he's, yeah, not someone I know personally. So it's not, it doesn't affect me. And, um, I'm not gonna really even engage with the conversation on Instagram comments cause it's just exhausting. Um, but I do appreciate having a conversation with you, um, and sharing it on a podcast. Um, I think it's, yeah, really refreshing, and I appreciate it a lot. So thanks for having me on. Of course. And thank you so much for joining me, and thank you to everyone who has been listening. Uh, if you like the show, you can subscribe or rate or follow or whatever it is, wherever you're listening to it. It's on all the – everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, if you like the show, uh, you can, you know, there are a lot of ways to support me through Substack, through whatever else. You can also just share this episode, let people know you like it. That's one of the best things you can do. And, um, our next episode is not set in stone, but we might be returning to the Twilight Saga. So stay tuned. Thanks. Bye for now. I disagree, Gary. I disagree, Gary.